This week on Excelsior Journeys, my guest is author and publisher Mara Johnstone. Mara has experience as both a novelist with two different novels that are out there, as well as over a half dozen anthologies that she's taken part in, and even one that she was able to spearhead on her own. We're going to hear about Mara's experience with anthologies, all the advantages that come with being a part of an anthology, the behind the scenes that go into making them. And the main thing that I have always believed is that writing may be a solitary thing, but it's not something that always has to be. JLD, do the honors. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire. And you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. So would you say that that's kind of like the lightning bolt moment for you? And that's you, why I moment? taught myself how to draw, was actually the Little Mermaid, drawing stills of Ariel. I've got better things to do tonight than so die. jumped out of his chair and said, who the F is this? I remember walking out of the theater with him saying, I'm going to write home. I'm rather sense. impressed with your research. Rarely do people ask me about children in the corner. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just do it. You know, throw yeah. some spaghetti yeah. against the wall. See this if it is sticks. George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. This is George Soroy. Thank you so much for being here. If you are an author like myself, and if you have listened to like all the different writers that are a part of the Excelsior Journeys podcast, since I am a writer myself and I love to have other writers on here because we all know, we all know each other's struggles. We all know what, uh, what we're all dealing with. And one of the things that we are all constantly plagued with is the notion of How do we get our work out there? How do we get our work to really stick out? And one technique that's been done so often is the use of anthologies. Now, when I talk about anthologies, it's basically just a lot of different writers coming together to produce one larger work. They contribute their stories of a specific subject matter that's going into that anthology. And then once it's ready to come out, then everyone really kind of pulls their resources and they really push as much as they can out of it. So that way at the debut week, once it's out there, then that opens the door to potentially a a lot of different sales and introducing a, a lot of readers to all of these great authors. And in some cases you might even crack the USA today bestselling list. So it's there's a lot that goes into this. This is not just buying your way onto a list or anything like that. It's a great means of getting your work out there, getting other people's work out there and really working together in a really good positive way. And when I heard that my guest Mara Johnstone is has experience as part of several anthologies. She's one, she's run one anthology by herself and she's been among the leadership for a good half dozen others. And the fact that they're all in the sci-fi fantasy horror spectrum, which is something I feel is something, especially in sci-fi, something that really needs to be out there a little bit more. I feel that there is a lot of paranormal. There's a lot of horror. There's a lot of romance. But the sci-fis really need to kind of step up the way that they did in the past with their printed anthologies. And so it was a thrill that to hear that Mara wanted to come on to the show to talk about her experience and also how it also led to getting her other works out there. So it's really exciting for me to finally be able to sit down and welcome to the show, 
Mara Johnstone. Mara, how are you? Hello. I'm doing great. I'm glad to be on here. And I'm glad to have you. I'm glad to have you. So before we jump in, there is there's a novel that I would really, really love to hear more about, which just came out last month called Spectacular Silver Earthling. Mm-hmm. I when you first told me this this idea, I was so excited to read this. I am really, really excited to actually sit down and lose myself into this character because it just sounds like so much fun, which is something that I feel that there's a lot of there's a lot more room for science fiction stories like this to be just fun. And yeah. when when I when I read read about this, I was just like, I would love if when when the time comes for this to become an audiobook, I would love to volunteer to uh, to be the voice for this because I think that would be a blast. So can you tell us a little bit about Spectacular Silver Earthling? Sure thing. The main character is the title character, a robot who used to work in search and rescue, but got to leave that profession and go to space television, which he is much better at because he gets to make fun of the humans instead. And that's a lot more fun for him and a lot, lot easier for all involved. So the book revolves around a TV show and the crew has to go film some new footage to save their show because someone else is trying to get their sponsor. And they go to a new planet that is somewhat dangerous, a little more dangerous than they were told. And there's stuff going on that nobody suspects. And <laughs> the main character is all the witty banter and just... It was an utter delight to write about. So there's a lot of fun things on the planet to discover, a lot of cool world building that I got to put in there. And just, he is an utter sass basket. So it's very <laughs> Utter sass basket. That is, that, that needs to go on a t-shirt. That is awesome. Yes. So, <laughs> yes. I would wear a t-shirt that said that. <laughs> there you go. So, so before we go into the anthologies, I'm curious to know, I'm always curious to know, when when I have my guests on, I love hearing about what I call the lightning bolt moment. And that's that moment where you, you basically meet someone or see something, first read something, are introduced to something or someone, and that just makes you feel that's what I want to do. That's the kind of direction I want to go in. What was it about writing in general? And what was it about what is it about science fiction that's grabbed your attention? Well, I can tell you that back in about fifth grade, there was a lot of things that I wanted to do. I wanted to be a veterinarian. I wanted to meet aliens. I wanted to ride a dragon or maybe turn into a dragon. I wanted to do lots of things, most of which I probably, if I was honest with myself, wouldn't be able to do. So I made the executive decision to write about them instead in fifth grade. Nice. And I I consider that a very good choice because I do get to do all of these things in some regards. And- Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the book that I'm working on now that'll hopefully come out next is actually about a space veterinarian. So space veterinarian, awesome. My child self ought to be happy with that. There you go. There you go. Yep. And so, so how long have you been writing now? Quite a long time. I started when I was a kid, just you know, playing with little ideas and stories and things, Mm -hmm. and wrote a short story in elementary school that the adults were really impressed with, which apparently was really good. So that was some nice encouragement to do more. And I wrote the first close to a novel length thing, I think in high school and in college is when I discovered national novel writing month. And that uh, was yes. an excellent way to get novel length things done. Mm-hmm. And since then I've written quite a lot. <laughs> really? Uh, how many, how many nanorimos have you finished? Over a dozen at this point. Awesome. And yeah, I mean, like most of them are, you know, still first drafty, but 
Like, yeah. Well, that that's, is, what, that's what they're supposed to be. Like, right. I've, <laughs> I have said this. I've said this to so many different people. For those of you who have just now heard about this, National Novel Writing Month is something that takes place every November. It's a challenge that is given out to authors of all ages, of all standings, and basically just asks them to write a 50,000 word draft of a novel in only 30 days. And the task with this is taking that huge challenge that what seems to be insurmountable, 50,000 words, that's a lot. But if you divide it up into 30 single day goals, then by day 30, you have a 50,000 word draft. So for for each day, all you're doing is writing a total of 1,664 words. And all you have to do is keep up with that every single day. And boom, by day 30, you have a finished draft of a novel. And I strongly say draft because your work is not done on November 30th. Despite what many people have tried to do, you do not hit publish on December 1st. And what you need to do is basically just kind of come to grips with yourself that what you have created is not a full house. You have created the foundation. You have created the basement. So stop trying to figure out what kind of curtains to put up because you're still a long way from there. Yeah, it's a sketch. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And I was I was one of those poor saps who was convinced that after writing the first draft of what would be Excelsior, that I was all set, that it was all I needed to do was touch it up a little bit here and there. And then it would be ready to go out to the masses. I would be able to shop for an agent and everything. And and then my my dear friend who became my story editor looked at the first chapter and said, yeah, this is going to take a lot of work. And we worked for almost two years of, of editing. And the funny thing is, is that that t- 2010 version is completely unrecognizable when you look at the 2017 version after it's made a few, a few different printings. So that's, that's, you know, these, these books, they're a journey. They're a definite journey. Yeah. So what was, what did it feel like when you finished your first one? The, the, well, yeah, the, the first that I did for NaNoWriMo, if if I ever come back to it and fix it up a bit, I just know that a good like first third of it is not actually that interesting. Mm-hmm. And I would probably pare it down or just skip right the heck over it because yep. I was under the impression that this was the order I had to do things when I first wrote it, that it only made sense to do this. And it's it's not necessary. I don't actually need any of that. The boring stuff doesn't need to be there. I don't need to see the boring parts. We can skip right over that. And yeah, I would very much change the way that it is if I wanted to make it, you know, publishable quality. And sometimes you just can't predict where things are going to go. Like there's one book that I wrote that halfway through it, I added a couple new characters and they were way more fun than the first main characters. Oh, okay. Like they would have been a much better book about them. So if I go back to that one, I'm going to put them in at the beginning and make them an important part of the whole thing. Nice. That's the beauty of of these first drafts is that you have to, you can't rewrite from nothing. And writing at the end of the day is rewriting. It's taking what you've started and chipping away at it over and over and over again. And it's getting to, getting yourself to that position where you can finally say, okay, I'm, I'm happy with this. But too many people, myself included, we just are hung up on that feeling of whatever we put down on the page, it has to be right the first time. Yeah. And 
you ha- you just have to admit to yourself and I have to admit to myself. This is me not taking my own advice that I need to just come to grips with the fact that it's not going to be perfect the first time. In fact, it's probably going to be pretty awful. So, yeah, it helps me to take notes as I write it because I'll see things that need fixing. And mm-hmm. instead of getting stuck trying to polish the first chapter until it's perfect, I will just take notes. Okay, I need to fix this, change that, expand that, and then I can just move on. And that does make it a lot easier because like, I've noted what I want to change, but mm-hmm. I don't have to get stuck doing it. And right. then by the time I'm done with the first draft, I'll have a list of things that I know I want to edit. And I can read back over the whole thing and find more. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then just order it and you know, do the big things first, add chapters, you know, change big things. And then once I've got the big stuff handled, then I can work smaller and smaller. And mm-hmm. by the time I'm done with all the edits I can find, then it's time for someone else to tell me what I miss. There you go. Yep. I I know I know this. I'm very, yeah, something. this this whole story, this whole journey and everything. Yeah. It's there's a lot to it. And it's a great reminder that that there is so much that goes into it. Now, one thing I definitely have to ask, and I've seen a lot of people on the internet basically just tr- put it out there saying delete or not to delete. And I always tell them don't delete, you know, yeah. just what do, do not delete any document that you are working on. The only time a document should be deleted is if it's by accident. <laughs> yeah. So and then, then try to, to save it anyway. <laughs> if it doesn't work, store it away and just strip it for parts of need be. Absolutely. That's, that's my yeah. thing. That's my way of thinking. Yeah, like I, if I find out that there's an entire chapter I don't need, I will copy it into a separate document and put it in the corner and mm-hmm. just you know, leave it there because there might be something that I'll need later, no matter what it is. I, I never want to throw anything away. And sometimes I've had to go back and like, wait, what was that? What was that one perfect phrase that I used? Mm-hmm. Or what what name was that one character? Or just or just use the ideas in a totally different story. They're like, there's always something. And like, it's not like that takes up much space on the computer. This <laughs> is very easy to store things. Right. Nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't even take up like a full meg. So just yeah. go ahead and just put it in there and see. Wh- and you never know what is what's going to wind up helping you in, in the long run. Yeah. I mean, some edits have ended up with a specific document. This is where the large chunks go. And then another little one where like, I liked this line, but I can't keep it. <laughs> so here's a little. It's <laughs> <laughs> like some of That's a good way to do it. That's a great way to do it. I love that. The large chunks in one document, the small chunks and the lines and the character names or whatever in a different one. That's great. Yeah. I'm a big fan of keeping track of everything. Exactly. Exactly. So the, so with the anthologies, having, having gone through several drafts of national novel writing month and getting yourself really comfortable with writing, what led to you working in anthologies? Well, the the one that I did solo was mostly because I saw a fun new subgenre that was becoming really popular on the internet that I hadn't seen a lot of in actual published books. And I had one anthology of about a dozen stories that were of that general type. And it's really cool. And there really was room for another anthology of it. And this was the concept that humans are weird or occasionally mm-hmm. humans are space orcs where basically we're the strange species instead of being the boring ones that don't have tentacles or claws or any of that. And like, no, there's something about us that either scares the other aliens or just makes them really confused or what have you. And some of the writers out there are coming up with great concepts for what about us can be weird because on our own planet, we're incredibly strange and not just because we're smart and make technology, but 
there's just lots of different things that you don't even think about or mm-hmm. even know about. Like we can throw things better than even our most closely related ape cousins. Our shoulders are built differently. And mm. I didn't know that. I mean, like gorillas are super strong. Chimps are stronger than they should be, but we can still throw better than they can. Like more accurate. Yeah. Yeah. And really strong because we have the like ball and socket joint with the right, you know, muscle and tendon setup. I didn't know that. But now I've written a short story about it where a bad guy alien finds out the hard way. And there's all <laughs> kinds of other things like that that it's like, I didn't know that I find out. Like, that would be an amazing story. Like, our color vision is really good compared to a lot of other animals. Mm-hmm. And, like, we can see the color green particularly well and just all kinds of little things like that just on our own planet. And, like, huh. our ability to mimic sounds. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, there's parrots and things that are better, but we're really good and we can copy a lot of prey animal noises and they won't know that it's us. Like we can be that yeah. kind of predator. And like, there's all kinds of things that are just potential for really interesting ideas. If you just, you know, extrapolate a little and set it in space, <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. very fun. So, so what, so isn't thought, Hey, what if we put them together into an anthology <laughs> and uh, exactly. that worked out very well. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, so, so walk us through the process of putting together an anthology like that. Well, the first part is the idea and the concept. And mm-hmm. the second part is telling people about it because you have mm-hmm. to recruit people. Either you already know some writer friends that would be perfect for it, or you're putting it out to the public and you have to set up, you know, a website where it's all explained. so that you can point people back to, and then just tell it all over the social media and just you know, get the word out. And then you have to go through submissions and decide which ones are worth keeping and which ones you have to politely turn down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's down uh, to the tactful people wrangling and making sure that all the writing is as good as it can be and just putting everything in the right order and all the nuts and bolts of assembling the book and a lot of little minor details and decisions and all that good stuff. Like doing it solo is very hard. And there's a lot to decide. And like I'd heard beforehand, like, oh yeah, whatever. It's a lot of work, but it's like, no, no, that's, that's a lot of work. (laughs) A lot easier if you're doing it with other people. (laughs) Right. And so do you have, do you have an editor on staff that helps out with all of the different submissions or is it something that they need to work, work with on their own? Well, I've done things both different ways for, for the next stuff that I'm going to do. It's going to be a group of writers where we all kind of do things as a team effort. A lot of, a lot of beta reading and just, you know, bouncing around between each other. And then we've got like the, the professional editor who gives everything the final look. And that tends to work pretty well because you mm-hmm. know with, with most writers, like if you've got a bunch together and everybody reads it or at least a couple, then you're going to catch most of the stuff that needs catching. Yeah. And then if you got somebody who really knows their grammar and all their details to look over it at the end, then you should get a pretty good product. And yeah, that tends to work pretty well. I've done that that method with a couple of anthologies now. And it's fun too, because cool. read all the stories and you get to share the load and get some neat stuff. So what's so what does it feel like when you when you have a real good solid group of writers that you feel like you got something that you can really work with? It's pretty great. And, and particularly if they're involved with it too, more than just the writing, then it's more people that can talk about it and tell people about it and spread the word and just hype it up. And it's more people that you can share your excitement with. And, and that's pretty great because you can say like, look at this lovely thing we've made. And they'll agree. Yeah, this is a lovely thing. This is awesome. I want to tell everybody. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, we can all have it on our bookshelves together. <laughs> Which is awesome. So, so. Mm-hmm. When you have your group, do you think of, 
do you think of the caliber of writer that they are as is that a deciding factor? Is it something that you feel that this particular person is a real good marquee writer? This is the one that you know a lot of people really know, so they should definitely get a spot on there. Do you think do you use that as as a means as well? I certainly could. It's never come up in that exact way in the stuff that I've done. For the most part, it's either been you know open to everyone and it's the caliber of the writing that they submit that makes it in, or it's a group of people that, you know, we already know each other's work and like, okay, we'll we'll just work together to make sure that the writing is all good. So mm-hmm. yeah, like anything really makes sense as long as you cover any <laughs> anything that needs covering and make sure that it all turns out good. Because yeah, there's there's pretty much lots of different ways to do everything <laughs> in the publishing business. Yeah. There's no right way. That to is end. true. <laughs> that is definitely true. And when when you have when you have your group of writers, you have the direction. You have that. Do you set up some due dates? Do you set up some like a basic schedule for everyone? Yeah, yeah. Schedules are definitely a good idea. It's like, all right, everybody got to get your rough drafts done by this day. And then we're going to swap them around and everybody read at least, you know, two or three others and get enough eyes on them. We've got a spreadsheet here to make sure you see who's read what, make sure we're all keeping track of each other and everything by this day. And yeah, because if you've got a, a schedule planned out from the beginning, then that makes it much easier for everyone just to keep on track and not really worry about it as much. Do you have a specific word count that you look for? Well, it depends on the book because you want the book to be a you know proper good book length. And mm-hmm. if you've only got a handful of people, well, you can write longer things. And if you've got a ton of people that you want to shoehorn in there somehow, then, well, let's try to keep it a little, <laughs> a little shorter. Right. I've been on one project lately that turned into such a sprawling adventure that we're going to do multiple volumes because there's no way we're going to try to put all this in one book. No, we got lots. <laughs> it's like, it really fun. So like multiple volumes is great. You just have to decide what's the best uh, setup for what you've got going. Now, when you say that there that there are due dates for the first draft to be done and schedules for the for the beta reading, for the editing, and for delivering the next draft, when you're going through the initial process of choosing the writers, what sort of basis are you working with? Are they pitching their idea to you, and you feel like that is that's something that plays a part in it? Or is it something where they have to deliver a rough draft first and then send that in and then you'll know whether or not that'll be one of them that's going to go forward? I think most of it's come up with the idea first. And mm-hmm. a lot of like the group effort anthologies that I've worked on have just been just group stuff from the start where, okay, here's the overall theme that we're going to do. And mm-hmm. everybody put you, put in some individual ideas and what you think you want to do. And we'll see if anything conflicts, see if anybody has suggestions and like like the more group effort there is, honestly, from the beginning in that kind of setup, the better, because you can mm-hmm. have someone point out something you may not have considered or have a better idea. And if you don't have any idea, someone's going to have one. And mm. if it's just, you know, the open to the public kind of thing, then it's just a matter of, you know, whatever they happen to send into the prompt that you put there. And that's you know pretty straightforward, but it doesn't right. have the same camaraderie as like, all right, this is a group of people. We're going to make a thing together mm-hmm. <laughs> and both definitely have their merits and both have easier and harder parts, but it is a lot of fun to work with a bunch of people and just make something cool together. 
It sounds like it is. That's something that I have wanted to take part in for the longest time. Basically, where I am right now with part three of this YA sci-fi trilogy that I'm doing, I am dealing with the intimidation factor of that second book being one of the best things I've ever written and everything working really, really well with it and having to follow that up with the with the story that's going to wrap up that entire trilogy and then throwing that in with a uh, thankfully I was able to do a an audio drama adaptation of the first book that's actually going to be performed on Clubhouse in December so I'm really excited about that nice but the but the writing itself has kind of slowed down to a crawl and I feel like getting involved in a group project like an anthology would be something that I could really use to kind of get things going again, get the gears turning and get myself back into a place where I can dive back into that part three mm -hmm. and give it the proper ending that it deserves. Yeah. Uh, yeah so have you experienced that with, with, with people that are a little rusty with their writing, but by taking part in something like this, it really helps them kind of get back to where they should be. Yeah, yeah, because it, it can help to have a, a specific idea to write to and a deadline and other people doing it at the same time. And just like National Novel Writing Month, a bunch of people doing a fun thing, even if you're not having fun with it at the start, it, it's kind of infectious. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, this, yeah. this can be good. And like, I remember how this worked. All right, let's, let's get going on. It's this. like a mini community. Like you're, exactly. you're basically creating your own writing community, which is something that I strongly, strongly recommend people get for themselves yeah i mean writing is such a lonely solo thing like yeah, writing is so lonely <laughs> yeah it doesn't need to be lonely because mm -hmm. like okay yes you're the one putting the words on the page but when you're sharing ideas and asking for suggestions and talking with your buddies about how they're writing like the more community there is the better it can turn out and it's, it's mm -hmm. so much more enjoyable you get to pool the resources and you know share whatever tricks and fun ideas other people have it's good stuff oh, yeah now, speaking of pooling resources, one thing that definitely comes into play is money. Mm -hmm. And my understanding is that money goes toward the the formatting, the cover design, any sort of final editing that needs to be done. The And the main thing, the promotion. Yeah. Because I'm sure that the main factor in this is getting a BookBub feature deal set up. Is that you know, I've never that... actually gotten that far. Really? <laughs> yeah, I've done a lot of different social media things and just, you know, other people help spread the word, done some little ads here and there, but mm -hmm. never made it onto BookBub. I'm oh, sure wow. it would be good, though. <laughs> how, about, how about with any other any other, other sites like that, like Choosy Bookworm and things like that? Yeah, I've got a long list of things that I've looked into to some degree, and some mm -hmm. of them are a lot easier than others. And it's another case of this. There's so many different ways that you can do everything. And right. you can do ads on this side, ads on that side. And mm -hmm. you can just, man, you can just pour money into advertising. And yeah. it can be hard to say whether you're going to get much back from it or not. And sometimes it's just more reliable to have, okay, there's a lot of people working on this. Everybody go tell everyone you know. <laughs> yeah, it, it just seems like that's, you got to rely on that as well. Because, so, mm -hmm. Do you set up? Do you set up pre-release dates? Yeah, yeah, that definitely helps too because you, know, you can talk about it on social media. Hey, there's a countdown. Stuff's happening. Let's get some pre-orders in there. You can get some reviews ahead of time. All right, all mm -hmm. the all the good stuff. Because if you just put it out there, then you tell people about it, and then what else do you say? <laughs> right. Once it's out there, it's out, and there's no buildup. 
And yeah. So, like, as you all know, I put this book out in the world and let me talk about it some more. Right. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's that part of it can be, can be very frustrating. So that's something that I have quite a bit of experience with. It just feels yeah. like whenever, whenever I put word out about something that I'm either working on or I'm about to release, there seems to be a, just like a slight bit of enthusiasm, but then it just kind of goes away. So tell us, you had everything all put together for that first one, for that first anthology, mm-hmm. and then it goes out mm-hmm. into the world. Tell us about the experience of that and what resulted from that from that release. Well, you know, I think on that one, I ended up getting not as much publicity right when it first came out as later. And I think a lot of that might have been just kind of the snowballing social media effect of the various contributors and just interested people in that kind of subgenre, just finding out about it and telling more people over time. Mm-hmm. And you know, that works out pretty well. And like that book is, it's easier to, to summarize and make someone interested than in a novel because mm-hmm. uh, they found it recently. I was selling books at a, a local fair with other people in the local writers club that one was the easiest to sell because I go, okay, here is a bunch of short stories on this interesting theme. And if you don't like one, you might like the next one instead of here is one story. You should like it. <laughs> and, if you and if you don't, I'm money. sorry. <laughs> right. And like, okay, short stories are good for that. A lot of people just you know, like, Oh, I can read a thing before bed, you know, that's great. And if it's an interesting theme, then the mm-hmm. odds are good that you're going to enjoy all of them. And that works out really well because a lot of the time people don't put that much stake in short story collections. It's like, Oh, whatever. That's just little things. uh, Not that important, but no, those, those are good. You can read them a little bit here and there and it's not as much of a commitment. You don't have to worry that you haven't finished it yet. You're going to forget stuff. No, no, you wrote, you read a chapter. (laughs) You're done. There you go. There you go. So, so you, you brought up something that was really interesting. So you have instead one one of the things that I that I see is that a lot of people really put these anthologies together so that way they can set it all up as one huge ebook and put it out there with the ninety nine cent sticker price on it, so that way they can make a run at the USA Today list and see what happens there. But you mentioned that when you have your books at fairs, so you had this printed. Oh yeah. Yeah, because I've done a couple of different routes in getting the books made. And again, no no right answer. Lots of wrong answers too, but <laughs> there's a lot of right answers. Right. And yeah, and I got physical copies and ebooks. And I've sold more physical copies than ebooks. And really? a lot of that is just like the people that I know in person that like to have a physical thing. But yeah. a lot of people online are buying them too. And it might matter you know, where you advertise it and where you get the word out, which, you know, groups of people and all that. But yeah. yeah, physical copies are still quite a big thing. And people like having a real book to hold. And, you know, that's that great. Yeah. That's and good to hear. It could be a lot more investment in time or money, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it also may pay off. Right. Now, is that part of the money that, that everyone puts up? as well for any sort of like setup charges or anything for, for that. Yeah. You always got to consider upfront, which routes you're taking. Cause you definitely don't want to have one person have to do everything. And unless that's a plan or right. just surprise everybody. But 
Yeah, and like some of the anthologies I've done have been specifically for charity, where it's just like, okay, we're just going to do this in a nice, simple way, and you know, not have to worry about splitting everything up. We're just like we know from the start we're going to put it all towards this, and this is just going to be a fun thing where we can go, hey, look at the publication credit, look, my work is out in the world, and not worry yeah. about how much it earns. So that that's kind of nice. <laughs> nice, very cool. And so with so with that in mind. Are people also just sending you money or anything and just saying, here, can you send me like about, you know, a dozen copies of this? The ones that I've done, I've actually gotten set up for print on demand. So thankfully, I don't need to mail them out of my garage. So that's great. Yeah, I can just point them to a website and go, have fun. (laughs) There it is. Do they get do they get some sort of discounts since they are one of the authors? Well, if it's someone that's involved in it, then yeah, that'd be a different kind of setup. And if somebody wants a signed copy, then we got to arrange something. But just, you know, the world in general, it's nice and straightforward. I can just have them buy it online and you know, that works out just fine. That's great. That's great. Mm-hmm. And have other authors gone ahead and, and bought their own copies and kind of sold them at different fairs or different conventions as well? Yeah, yeah, that's an option too. And I've had people that I gave the the ebook as a review option just to get the word out and they liked it so much they went and bought a print copy. And that, that's a great compliment. That's great. That's that's a, that's a great that's a great thing to hear. Oh yeah. So <laughs> you're doing something right. <laughs> exactly. So when you the ones that you were had also taken a leadership role in, you said it was about a half dozen other ones, correct? Yeah, something like that. Now were did the the ones who were spearheading those did they reach out to you and ask you to be a part of it did they invite you or no, when, when i'm doing it on my own it's like to? okay i have an idea and i'm going to make it happen and i'm going to do all the work <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's not as much fun but you know that's how it goes but when yeah. it's when it's other people then it's like hey let's do an anthology together let's make this happen and mm-hmm. it's just you know planning it from the ground up for the most part but and what were the other subjects that you you had worked on? Well, yeah, lots of lots of science fiction and fantasy, and yeah, there's there's some horror too, which is honestly a lot of crossover from the first two. Just you know, science fiction and fantasy—that's scarier. Yep. <laughs> and personally, I tend to like things that are a little more lighthearted, so I I tend to put a lot of like coping humor even in the scary stories. But that's just me. And you know, that that can work out pretty well because you'll have the oh, there's scary things happening, but somebody has some smart remarks to make, and that just <laughs> that lightens the mood nicely. <laughs> kind of makes the whole experience a lot more palatable, and yeah, and that's that is what that's I like. What, that's what they that's what they do in horror movies. There's always yeah. that that character who's the comic relief, or mm-hmm. something out of the ordinary happens that just becomes like a startle, or then it becomes something that creates a laugh. Different things mm-hmm. like that. So, yeah, balance sounds like, things sounds like it's basic. Yeah, sounds like it's the basic uh, setup that you have right there. So, so what overall? What would you say to those who want to go in that direction with their own? Try to find some anthologies and everything. What 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 would you say that they should do? Well, if they want to do run everything by themselves, then I'd say start with a lot of research just to know what you're getting into because there's a lot to to do. It's a lot of work. And mm-hmm. you don't want to be surprised by it halfway in and realize you're overhead because that's no good. Yeah. And if they want to do just a complete team effort with a bunch of other people, then get an idea and get the people <laughs> first mm. and just yeah. you know, plan everything together to make sure everybody's on the same page. Like if you can, if you have a theme that you really want to do an anthology about a specific kind of thing, then you can you mm-hmm. know, recruit people with that theme already made. But a lot of it is just a matter of like, 
what level you want to be working on. If you want to just, you know, do a bunch of thing with your friends or you want to do a specific thing and get some people to also do that specific thing, mm-hmm. then yeah, just start with a lot of planning, a lot of research, just to make sure you know everything that you're going to come up against. And then just have fun with it. <laughs> and that's that's got to be the main thing. You have to have fun with, with this. Yes. This is not something that's going to bring in an, uh, an incredible amount of money. But at the same time, it's a great way to kind of introduce yourself yeah. to the reading public. Yeah, like one of the anthologies that I did with a bunch of other people was a horror anthology mm-hmm. that was unbelievable amounts of fun because we tied all the stories in together. The the entire collection took place in a fictional town in Mm -hmm. the 90s. (laughs) People were doing it in the 90s. And there's a bunch of, you know, scary things in that town. And it's, it's in the winter. So there's a lot of, you know, Christmas cryptids and snow monsters and things like that. And, (laughs) Like we had to plan out the timeline and everything because like the threat of it all is that this detective comes to town and has to figure out what's going on. But right. we got to put cameos of our characters in each other's stories and you know connect everything in these neat little ways. And like, oh hey, does anyone have anything for the the fire department? Yeah, I'm writing about the fire department. Cool. What are their names? What does it look like? I'm gonna have them visit you guys. And that was really really fun because you know it's more of the writing community and just getting to share ideas and just enjoy everything more and just it's way more fun than a horror anthology that might be expected. It should be scary and serious, right? No. Right. About a sarcastic fire demon and scary other things. And just, yeah, it was good times. And I, I really enjoy just writing community fun things. I write stuff that I enjoy and mm-hmm. whenever I can find other people who enjoy it too, then that's just a blast. That's great. That's a good goal in general. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You got to love what you're doing. You got at yeah. the end of the day, it's all about loving the content that you're putting out there, because mm-hmm. it, if you're not if you're not doing it, if you're just doing it to chase trends, first of all, like the trends have already passed, if that's where right. what you're trying to do. <laughs> yeah. And, you're gonna miss. Right. Exactly. And it's it's like what what Wayne Gretzky's dad told him. Don't go where the puck is. Go where it's going to be. And. Mm-hmm. If you can figure out where things are going to go and if you can see what things are starting to grab your attention and they just happen to be the things that you love to do, mm-hmm. then fabulous. And you're in a great position. Then go for yeah. it. And, yeah. And honestly, and, like if you, if you write stuff that you like, there's a good chance other people will also like it. <laughs> right. Who knew? <laughs> just like if you, <laughs> can, if you can actually enjoy yourself writing something, that joy is going to pass itself on to the reader. They're going to get it. They're going to enjoy it as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, actually, uh, starting up a, another thing with a bunch of other writer friends that is a brand new collective endeavor where yeah. we decided that we're going to start a publishing cooperative. Where, oh, really? Yeah. Where it's, it's kind of like a small press that, and maybe someday we'll take uh, other people's submissions, but for now we're just like publishing our own stuff together. And it is incredibly oh. exciting because we're getting yeah. all planned out and it's just, you know, exploding ideas everywhere. This is going to be so great. And um. You know, instead of just like one person publishes a thing and some of their friends maybe tell people about it and share the mm-hmm. word, like, oh, we're doing this together. Okay, what's the best way we can do this? Right. And, and that way, that way, when the word goes out via social media, you're not saying, buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. Right. It's buy his book, buy her book, buy their Absolutely. book. And then they can go ahead and turn around and do the same thing for you and for everyone else. Yeah, because I tell you, I've bought stuff online that I saw people talking about on Twitter. 
And mm-hmm. it was either because it was a friend of mine and I want to support them, or it was because it was somebody that I don't know and it sounded interesting. And multiple people had been talking about it because the mm-hmm. more you hear about it, like there's there's some study like, okay, if you hear something said in an ad three different times, then it feels like you've been hearing about it forever. It's like something like that. And like, yeah, if you hear multiple people say the same book is good over days or weeks, then you start to get the impression that, yeah, society in general is talking about this. Yep. And that is a huge difference to just the one person going, this is my book. You should buy it. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> believe me, you know, you'll know when people, when more people start talking about your work, because right. I worked for, for a very short period of time. I want to say December, yeah, December of 2018 to, to the beginning of August of 2019, I was working for Barnes and Noble and it was an amazing it was a real amazing experience not so much to pay but the but just being there being amongst books and it just so happened one particular sunday was the same sunday that cbs sunday morning did a a profile on where the crawdads sing and mm-hmm. you you would have thought it felt like the stock exchange like everyone was making a run for that book we <laughs> yep. had to open up boxes from the back and bring it in. And it was a really cool experience because like as I was handing out the books as I was opening them up. So you you'll know when people yeah. start talking about it. And once it gets to that level, if if you're fortunate enough to get to that level, then whew, then yeah. all that's a good sign. Yeah. So what was it that led you to finally say like I wanna start doing my own novels was it that sort of feeling of everyone working together that kind of spurred you into getting that first novel out there or is it something that you have always thought about and just wanted to wanted to get one of those one of those drafts that you had been working on and work on it polish it up and get it out there what what was your what were your thoughts that led to that debut novel the novels have pretty much been the the goal from the beginning, but you know, they take a long time, <laughs> a lot of work. Yeah. And yeah, I've been just telling stories forever. But like the the first novel that I self-published, I didn't have a lot of support network. Mm-hmm. And I probably would have done some things different. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's been a number of years since then, and I know a lot more people and a lot more things. And man, again, the community, like there's so much that you can learn from other people to how to do things well Mm -hmm. from just, you know, having somebody else read it to having them give you tips on like all the little nuts and bolts about it and where where to get the word out and all that. But I've been wanting to tell stories about all these fun things from the beginning. And, you know, novels are the longer stories that you really (laughs) sit down and, you know, you really get immersed in. And yeah. yeah, And I've written a bunch and it's exciting to get more of more of them out there in the world. So Hopefully with the new publishing collaborative, which is called Roaring Tulips, by the way. That is the group name. Roaring that, Tulips. That's isn't great. That a great name? <laughs> that is a yeah. very cool name. <laughs> yeah. So, How many so people are involved in it? What's the what what's the current what's the current batch of people? What what number are you looking at? Well, it it's a dozen people. And mm-hmm. basically the, the people that I've done a bunch of the anthologies with. And yeah. we tend to write a lot of science fiction and fantasy and some horror and a few other things mixed in together there. We're probably going to have a subsection for kids' books because some of us do that too. And mm-hmm. yeah, just sky's the limit. A lot of possibilities. 
And yeah, we're, we're gonna we're going over look. Okay, here's all the ideas for all the the projects that we've got in the works. Like, what should we work on first? What should we tackle next? And there's gonna be a cool anthology that we're all gonna work on together with you know, themed around uh, tarot cards and just all kinds of fun projects. Like, well, I've got this book that's almost done, and I'm gonna make a sequel to that book, and all these ideas. Oh, it's Lots great. It yeah, sounds like the, it, the it anthology like a- that we did before that was called, it was called Welcome to Simmons Detective Spencer. That was the title of it. I really didn't actually say that. Yeah. But that was the one where the detective has to figure things out. And the, <laughs> that turned out really fun. A lot of the same people in here. Very cool. It sounds a lot like a publishing version of American Zotrope, which was Francis Coppola's production company that he wanted to start off as a means of getting a lot of young talent involved and working with everyone and collaborating with each other and helping each other out with their scripts and mm-hmm. sitting back and, and, you know, enjoying some enjoying lunch in, in their garden area while they go over different scripts and different people like working on it and everything. And just a real kind of collaborative feeling amongst younger filmmakers. And that, that wound up not, quite be in the case but you know at the same time like zoetropes had has its own history but at the same time it that's this is what it sounds like it sounds like a lot of a lot of people really just kind of having that same sort of mindset of wanting to succeed in Mm -hmm. this amazing world of publishing and writing and having that diy attitude i think that's great yeah yeah it really is just having a lot of people that are all on the same page and excited about the same stuff and just doing it all together yeah, makes a big difference. It's great. Have you thought, are you going to be doing a sort of anthology that in a means of kind of like introducing the group together as a whole, maybe doing like a chapter or so like of, of each story and putting it out there? Well, there's a lot of possibilities. The, yeah, there's the one anthology that we're probably going to do as a group and probably a bunch of others that we haven't even thought of yet. And mm-hmm. maybe just like a collection of really small, like, chat books of just short stories that we've written and you know haven't put anywhere else we could do like an ongoing series of those and have different themes. Oh, that's fun yeah because like everybody's written stories that they just haven't done anything with I'm like oh i've got this one i've got this one's really good i love this one <laughs> just yeah it's a great together. way to just kind of dig into your archives because like what do you got in there what can what yeah. toys do you, are you holding on to that we can all play with yeah, exactly. And if it's just a bunch of, you know, cheap little collections and people aren't dropping a ton of money on an unknown, that's just, oh, yeah, a few bucks by those people. Sure. That'll be great. Oh, <laughs> Two for the month. That's Whatever. Not, that sounds so fun. I love that. I absolutely love that. That sounds it sounds like such a blast. Yeah. And this is just people that I met on Twitter is really what it comes down to. Other writers really? posting about same same kind of stuff and just having fun talking to each other. And just somebody said, hey, would, who wants to get together and do this thing? And, mm-hmm. you know, we started up a group chat and it just went from there and just, yeah, like make writer friends and you can find some fun stuff to do together. And it's, it's pretty amazing. Like, it it might that. take a while to go to lofty heights, but <laughs> just, man, the friends in the writing community of any stripe are so great. Cause I had the national novel writing month. We had NaNoWriMo write-ins and like, yep. those were years ago that we just, you know, show up at somebody's house with laptops and notepads and all just write our stuff that's great too. Just any friends you can find. It's wonderful. Now, now that's actually some, something I was, I was wondering about as well, the location of all these writers. Cause you said you found them all, all on Twitter. Are they right. in the same area that you are? Cause you're over on the West coast, right? Right. But they are absolutely not. <laughs> we are spread out <laughs> over four countries and multiple time zones. <laughs> four countries. Okay. All yeah. right. So 
listen to me, people. You can act. You can do this too. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we we just had a Zoom meeting with, with that most of us were able to make, and I was the the early morning, and a couple other were late at night. Few <laughs> were the rest of were in between the middle, but yeah, we're making it work. A lot of stuff is just you know written down. We've got a Discord server. We've got the chats. We've got email. We can get in touch and share all the ideas. It works. Nice. I'm trying to get into into Discord. I am trying Mm -hmm. to get to get the hang of that. How is it? How is it working for you as a writer? Pretty good. I've got a bunch of different servers, and some of them I you know check in, and other ones are like, eh, (laughs) I'll get back to them eventually. Right. But it's my impression of it is basically it's kind of like a forum, but really it's more like if you grouped together a bunch of just ongoing chat threads. Mm-hmm. Because it's not like a, a collection of, of the threads I could see on a forum. It looks like a forum, but each thread is just this ongoing string of things. So it, it can be helpful to pin ideas to and keep track of stuff. And it's just like a bunch of different brainstorming sections. I so it, with and the right people, the right organization, it can be very helpful. And just yeah. you know, it's for everyone can meet together online. Terrific. That that is that is so that is so great. Now. With all of this, where can my listeners find you online? Well, I'm on a lot of different social media with just my name, which is, of course, hard to spell at a first guess if you're just hearing it. But <laughs> that is Mara, M-A-R-A. Looks like Maria at a glance. Sounds like Laura over the phone. I get called everything that is remotely close to it. <laughs> uh, yeah, my middle name is Lynn, L-Y-N-N. And my last name is Johnstone, which is like Johnson, only with flair. There so, you go. Yeah, spelled phonetically, Johnstone. But yeah, I'm on Twitter a lot. I've got a Tumblr account that I've been enjoying for years. I've got Facebook that I do. I'm on all over the place. And soon there will be a lot of exciting stuff on RoaringTulips.com. And that's lovely. (laughs) RoaringTulips.com. I hope all of you remember that because that publishing house is, is, is gearing up. It's getting ready to explode out there. I am so excited to see where it goes. I am so excited to see where, where, where Mara herself goes. And I'm really excited to know that there are so many great communities out there that understand that, yeah, writing is a solitary job. At the end of the day, you're sitting there with just yourself and your keyboard or your pad, whatever it winds up being, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to just be you, and it doesn't have to be just you sitting there going, buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. Yes. You can collaborate with so in so many great ways with so many other authors, and who knows where things can go when it comes to everyone working together. So, mm-hmm. again, you know, like writing is – writing does not have to be lonely. And I am – I love hearing stories like what Mara has, has given us. I love hearing about anthologies in general. I love hearing about the development of them and I love seeing where they go. And so for all of you who are looking to get into writing, who are starting out, who feel like, like they don't have anything to offer, like they're not good enough, whatever the case, get that work out there and Start working with other writers because there's a good chance that they're probably thinking the same thing that you are. But if you guys are working together and supporting each other, 
then the sky's the limit on what can happen. So for Mara Johnstone, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, Ever Upward, and I will see you next week. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Excelsior Journeys. I hope it was both inspiring and entertaining. Special thanks to Zach Comtois for providing new music for the intro and outro. Please take a moment to leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends and subscribe to your platform of choice by going to he'sgotit.com slash podcasts. While there, you can also fill out the application to be a guest, inquire about sponsorship opportunities, and click on the Buy Me a Coffee link if you wish to give your support to the show. All interaction is very much appreciated. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion for the show, please direct it to george at he'sgotit.com.